0: This is the Saddler's Post, conversations on horses, leather trade and the art of saddlery with our host, Christian Lowe.
1: Today on the Saddler's Post podcast, we have with us Cassandra Severino from Calice. Cassandra, welcome to the Saddler's Post.
0: Hi, thanks for having me on.
1: Wonderful. So, um, part of the premise of the podcast is to celebrate anybody working in leather and you definitely fit that bill my social media gets blown up all the time every time you do a post someone tags me or sends it to me and says this is an amazing idea you need to do this (laughs) I'm like (laughs) I don't need to do it we need to celebrate the person who actually is doing it and killing it so uh, Cassandra tell me A little bit about your company uh, and and how you got started
0: well how I got started is kind of a interesting backstory I met my boyfriend a few years ago he does automotive upholstery and there was always leather scraps getting kind of just thrown on the ground and would end up in the trash so I started sketching up little bag designs um and cutting out the patterns he kind of taught me the basics of making a pattern and he would sew them up um and we did that for a couple months until he eventually was like, All right, I think you can sew up the purses. Now he was kinda of all set with it so I I just couldn't stop making bags, basically. I couldn't stop coming up with designs and one thing led to another and I grew up riding horses so that's where the horse tech comes into play and I love the aspect of recycling. So I just it started with using reins and halters um, just on new leather bags that I was making. And eventually I, I think my sister actually suggested like, Oh, why don't you make a bag out of a saddle? And I'm like, well, that's crazy. I don't think that would really work. (laughs) And so a couple months later, ruminating on that, I eventually took apart my childhood saddle and made a, small bag and posted it and there was pretty good reaction from it so I'm like oh maybe I'll make another one out of my saddle and I did and it sold so I kept going with that and and so on and then now people bring in their personal childhood saddle that's what keeps me most busy and I'll make as many bags as I can out of their saddle or if they only want one I just make one out of it but that's the most of it. And, and then I have like a stock of my own saddles that I do like periodic drops on my website from whatever style I feel like making.
1: That's cool. So, um, for people who haven't checked out your social media yet, um, it, it's just really, really cool. I think as, as personally as a saddle maker to watch you, uh, you know, kind of dismantle or carve into a saddle, you must get a ton of reaction from it, of people, you know, just going, you're just doing something to a saddle that they probably just would never have dreamt, like, oh my goodness, you're taking a knife to a saddle and chopping it up. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some, (laughs) some uh, not-so-positive reactions sometimes um, everyone has their own outlook on it, but for the most part, people are pretty pumped to see the outcome. But
1: that's all I think. First off, it's incredible what you're doing to repurpose it into something that someone's going to use to have a saddle that's had a life of use, and then for someone to maybe suggest that what that oh, that should be reconditioned and put back into service is that what the reaction is sometimes
0: uh, it's mostly just when it's a more expensive saddle yeah. And, and yeah people are thinking oh well if the tree's not broken like why do that and I, I don't go out into the world and pick up expensive saddles to, to do that too of course or I'd be out of business yeah. but um, this is someone's saddle who you know it's sitting in their basement or their attic and they're like well I'm not going to sell it and I'm never going to use it again and there might be some defects on it but they're like why wouldn't I
1: turn something
0: I love so much into something I can use
1: 100% and for 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 one craftsperson to make a saddle and then to have it sit in someone's basement or tack room and never ever be used again the craftsman who made that originally would be mortified the fact that it's gone on mm-hmm. to be repurposed into something that guaranteed every time that person leaves their home with it probably is a conversation piece that's fantastic
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's cool I, it's kind of like a it feels like a little bit of a collaboration between me and the saddle maker who I have no idea who they are of course but it's it's that and it's part whoever rode in the saddle and you can tell how hard they rode it you can tell how they took care of it and you know what may have happened to it sometimes people will fill me in on the on the backstory of the saddle which is always really interesting so it just connects me more to the to the whole process of it. Yeah, yeah, it's really special.
1: Fantastic. So again, because we're 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 celebrating what you do in your craft, and um, but you know also a segment of encouraging people to just do it. Yeah, I think you embody the spirit of that. So I I just want. To make it a hundred percent clear, you're not like an art school graduate. You don't have a design education or, you know, you didn't grow up sewing. Um, you know, can you expand on that a little bit? Like just to give people an idea of, wow, she came from knowing this to creating beautiful pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all all correct. No schooling. No, I, I didn't know anything at all about leather work. I mean, absolutely nothing, <laughs> and nothing about sewing. Um, I actually, when I started at the time, I was running my car detailing business that I started out of high school, um, and so as you can see, not not related to any sort of creativity remotely (laughs) um
1: (laughs) but an entrepreneur all the same right
0: yeah so I always I always had that aspect in me for some reason I always knew I wanted to work for myself um so that definitely helps because to run your own business you have to want to do that it's a, you know people think it's a lot of freedom, but it's kind of <laughs> the opposite. But you love what you're doing, so you don't notice it. I think, at least I'll speak for myself. Um, but I feel like I'm going off track here. No, no, you're great. <laughs>
1: this is this is what this is about. This is a, uh, um, you know, kind of the floor space for for you to share a little bit about yourself. But also, I'm trying to inspire people to you know stop thinking about the worst um you know case scenario of of just diving in and and getting on with it and you know i think you know just a quick look at all your images and you're producing beautiful work so one thing i wanted to touch on though the work is great but the photography is phenomenal so who are you doing that all yourself
0: yeah, that's that's me on my iPhone.
1: <laughs> that is incredible. I've got to say like you know being good at just one thing is not good enough sometimes. You seem to be able to go okay, yes, I've created something beautiful, but then you know, your your photography brings it to life and gives it a lot more depth and warmth. So from a marketing standpoint, You know, for all the business people out there who are are doing it, um, you know, solo as well. I I encourage them again to go to your website and look at the photography. I just think you do an amazing job with that.
0: Well, thank you. Um, But yeah, you if you want to be able to sell what you're making, it's so important to be able to display it in a way that someone can. A see themselves using or wearing it, and that looks beautiful and inspiring when you look at it. I mean, I, I could make what I'm making, and I could take a picture of it, like in my messy shop on my workbench, and with some not great lighting, and it's not gonna. I don't know if anyone's gonna buy that. You know what I mean? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're selling. It's, it's, it's
0: really it's an obsession for me. Yeah. And do your customers, every aspect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how much, um, creative freedom do your clients give you like when they come to you with, here's my saddle, obviously you, you, are you limited? You just use the leather that they're providing when you upcycle their saddle or are you adding, you know, bits from your own personal, um the collection to 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 you know beef out that um, project or how does it work
0: yeah for the most part when someone's bringing in their saddle the entire bag is made just from their saddle um, sometimes there's even more leather from it to make a second bag so there's always, plenty to do one for the for most of my styles Um, and sometimes they'll bring in a halter and reins which I will use to make like the handles and straps Um, but the only time I add in from my own supply is if if they don't bring in the extra tack then I'll pull from my reins and my halters and Okay. that's what finishes up the bag um, and all the hardware besides like basically just the buckles all repurposed from halters but all the rivets and snaps and magnets, stuff like that is all new hardware that I buy that goes into it um, but yeah, it's primarily just their saddle and it's really fun when they bring in their own tack especially when it has like a nameplate on it or something. I'll take that off the halter and put it on the bag somewhere.
1: And the one thing, um, that I've noticed with just equestrians, you know, in all the time that I've been, been riding, you know, that halter or that bridle, uh, belonged to that horse generally It Mm -hmm. has a ton of sentimental value and the fact that they get to, you know, throw it over their shoulder every day is, um, probably keeps those memories closer to their heart. Um, rather than just saying, I know a lot of people have say a special hook in a tack room where they hang, um, you know, if a horse is a special horse has had to be sold or he's Um, Past, you know, it has a special hook or something, but this is, I think, even one step further where it's like, no, 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 I get to actually handle it and touch it every day.
0: Right. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the tack I work with, it's from a horse who's passed on, Um, so that's it's really special because, like you're saying, if it's just on a hook, you're maybe not even going to see it on a daily basis never mind touch it so yeah it's really great i've to have that energy i think stays in the piece of leather and i hope that the clients can feel that with them
1: yeah i'm a a big believer in uh that you know sure how to say it but that would be very special to to most of the riders that i've ever dealt with over the years that um if something being useful and purposeful um means that much more like it's a very very Mm -hmm. interesting thing and obviously from your designs um people can select oh just just make it like that or they can start to do something completely bespoke, like how much input do you like from clients versus say, hey, you know what, leave it with me. I'm going to create something that I feel will reflect, you know, based on what you've learned about them. I mean, how much do you prefer a lot of input or do you prefer a lot of creative freedom? Uh, I prefer
0: creative freedom, but as always the customer will select the style they want and for the most part people are really trusting and I'm grateful for that and they're they're just like do whatever you think works best I'm not going to tell you what to put where or whatever but and some people are really particular on what they they want like oh the spot on the seat, I really want to see on the bag exposed somewhere. And, you know, I'm happy to do that. Um, it's their bag and it's their tack. And I know I realize the importance of it. And, you know, it's a responsibility for me to make sure I nail the project every time. Cause it's, it does feel like a big deal. You know, it's not just a handbag and it's also like a one shot, deal <laughs> once was, it's made I was just going to so. say
1: when you're working with new materials it might be an expensive mistake but you can start over with someone's right. saddle it is one and done like as soon as you start carving into it and, and laying your patterns out um, mm-hmm. and you know yeah you would have to be very very close to I've got it right because there is no just oh I'll just grab some more
0: exactly yeah it's it was nerve-wracking at first i've gotten more used to it since i've made hundreds of them at this point but yeah it's and i still don't take it lightly i don't want to sound like that but
1: no it's it's not taking it lightly as your confidence builds as a as a creator right? it's it's just uh um Confidence. That's all. Yeah. So when
0: I mean, I'll lay out pieces and shuffle them around for (laughs) way too long. Sometimes just trying to find exactly what piece should go where. Um, But that's part of the fun.
1: That's great. So uh, again, from social media, I see. But you've got what what machines do you have I don't think I talk about this enough in the podcast your your first sewing machine that you bought what did you what did you get
0: so the first machine I got I got it's a older it's a brother flatbed um, didn't really know much about it I got it from an upholster because um, at the time I was working with lighter weight leather so this has no problem going through stuff like that and um, the style bags I was making was fine to use for this flatbed machine and I'll still use it um, from time to time where it's the other machine I have is way too heavy-duty for certain things Um, so then I ended up when I Started making the saddlebags I invested in a Cobra class 4 and that thing's a tank (laughs) yeah I was scared to use it at first
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it will stitch through Uh, anything including your hand if it's in the way yeah yeah so uh,
0: yeah that has changed the game for me for sure Um, you know it's really I think it's important to have the right machine or whatever you're trying to make um, so that's what I use for any saddle bag um, and the only other machine I have is my burnisher which is awesome too that really that really took everything to another level being able to finish the edges like that and do it pretty efficiently
1: yeah I think i um Anyone who, when you see, it's the one thing I've probably said almost every podcast I've recorded now is that certain makers are obsessed with burnishing, like their whole social media is just them burnishing because it's satisfying yeah. for sure. But I, what I think uh, the the saddle leather in particular is such a tight fiber. Um, even though it's old, it probably burnishes up beautifully because of it's it's such a tight um, uh, fiber in the leather. Is that that the case? Yeah,
0: yeah, it really does.
1: Yeah, and the majority are English saddles or Western.
0: Uh, majority English, and is um, is
1: is that your background?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably why I think I, that's what I my first saddle bag I made was from my English saddle um, and I think that's you can kind of tell the style of bags I make are more English looking I guess <laughs> it, it's true um, yeah I, but, but uh, I, I love using the western saddles too um, but I'll always if I'm using a western saddle Most of the time, I have to mix in a little English with it to make certain things work, Um, but they're really fun. They look really cool. I love the tooling. They're a little tougher to work with because they're usually a really heavyweight leather compared to the English saddles, but they turn out beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I, I kind of love, actually, the tooling... That Western styling mixed in with your spin on it, which is which has that English flavor to it, but it's like two worlds meeting, uh, and and beautifully. I, I really um, like what I've seen of it. Thank you. So, yeah, from a from okay. again from a business point of view, um, it seems like you just grew organically by that I mean you know using social media using things that were the least expensive way like do you, do you have any elaborate marketing program or is, is it just growing um, as people hear about you and see you and you know how, how are yeah, you
0: yeah absolutely I've just I've been really uh, consistent on posting on social media ever since I first started even when my boyfriend was selling up the bags I was I just started posting them and basically a daily habit i I try to at least um but yeah I don't I don't even really run any Facebook ads and I wouldn't even know <laughs> really what else to do for advertising other than that it's, it's kind of just what I know and it's work so far and word of mouth is always the best. I feel like, and someone sharing it on their own page, that's super helpful. Um, instead of me just showing it to the same people every time, that's what really gives you the boost. That's like key.
1: A hundred percent. Uh, I agree with you and, uh, I was so excited to be able to, I know I've shared, um, you know a few things of yours where I'm because I just know my client base would just love it so I'm like here have a look at this you know and uh yeah. it's you know and when, when you do it you kind of hope that you're helping a small business uh, or a creator out um because yeah it does feel here I'm posting again, <laughs> and you know, unless <laughs> unless there's engagement, you know, which I think, uh, because of the quality of your posts, in combined with the quality of what you make, it, it, I think you know people are only just too happy to engage with it.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. So I
0: feel
1: like I. Okay, go still ahead. We'll get
0: better. Yeah. Well, and that's. <laughs> feel like I could still improve on it I try to I try to do storytelling with it sometimes I'm too tired to but (laughs) whenever I do I notice that helps a lot so you know you know people don't want to just get sold to they want to know more and they want to know about the process and they want to know about the saddle before it got taken apart and i would too i mean that's more interesting than just hearing what's for sale
1: one so that's
0: a good
1: again to keep in mind yeah and it is hard it is you know for anybody that feels um oh that's easy i could make those it's not easy to do all the facets of it um and including you know that storytelling it's something that i know i kept saying to myself you know in 2023 i i need to be doing more storytelling that i want themes to everything and i want and you know here we are four or five months into the year and i feel like yeah you're not really hitting that mark because of the the brain power it takes to to be that in uh creative and it's it it's not something that's so easily to delegate Like, I've tried to, Mm -hmm. you know, I have fantastic help with my social media, but the, to say, oh, you know, make something, you know, you have to be incredibly good at sharing your ideas and what's rolling around in your brain to get it out on Mm -hmm. uh, a post. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it can be really tough and really take a lot of energy, especially for someone like me. I'm definitely an introvert and... I'm not like a huge talker. So for me to get on there and try to spit out a bunch of words can be, can take quite a bit of time, but yeah, I try to get better at that.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, fantastic. And uh, you know, I I really appreciate you coming on because I think uh, it, it will help, um, you know, a lot of people understand, you know, again, in a post that's, you try to keep it too, Um, minimalist. People don't want to read a a novel when they go on either, but they do want to know more about you and and your background and things like that. So the future, I mean, you could just do, keep doing this. I don't see uh, anyone ever tiring of what you do, but do you, do you personally feel like, oh, you know, I'm going to expand into Offering like new leather goods, or like would would say making belts or new bags from just new materials would that uh, satisfy your creative creativity and and the upcycling recycling side of things? Or or you?
0: I'd actually probably go in the other direction, if anything. Um, so I have bags on my website that are made with new leather that anyone can just order and I'll make it to order. But I've been considering in my, in my mind, just going all recycled. Um, cause really I, I have more fun with it,
1: <laughs> yeah. even
0: though it's more challenging. It takes more time cost more it's just it's always funner for me to recycle something than to just roll out a new high leather yep um so i i might end up going that way i haven't quite decided yet and yeah i haven't thought much about too many other leather goods like belts and such because um, i feel like The whole measurement thing can be tricky, getting it to fit someone perfectly. I know there's obviously a way to have set sizes, but I don't know. (laughs) I kind of like, I have a lot of fun with making bags, so probably stick more in that lane. Um, I've had thoughts of stuff like a wine tote, little things like that possibly coming up in the future. But yeah, I think bags are my jam primarily. I don't
1: hey you I don't can do a
0: ton of wallets either, but I do have a few styles but mostly yeah, bags.
1: you can see the the passion in your work. I always admire that when when you can see it it's pal- like it's palpable in in people's work um and yours just it oozes it like I enjoy doing this. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I think um, I, I I think you can just carry on, and people will always, as long as you're having fun. I think people will be having fun um, commissioning you to do stuff.
0: Yeah, I hope so because I could definitely see myself doing this till I need to retire, whenever my hands give out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but so, yeah, I don't really have big plans of expanding. I think I'm too much of a control freak to hire anyone, unfortunately. I'm, maybe that'll change someday, but I'm so particular. So, right now, just a one-woman one band.
1: Hey, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think that the whole expansion idea is... Um, I don't know sometimes it's overrated to me that everyone thinks oh you know growth is key to success where maybe like a, a painter wouldn't be like oh I'm just gonna hire someone to I mean maybe painters do they <laughs> hire someone to to do the rough work and then they fill in the subtle nuances or something but it's <laughs> not it it's it's more of a production than uh almost mini factory made rather than something being, you know, bespoke made. Um, Right. So, yeah, I don't don't blame you. And I'm
0: glad you brought up the painter aspect because I really do. I guess that's how I look at it. I look at it as I'm an artist and my medium is leather. And I just, like I said, I feel like if I handed it off to someone, would be like handing them my paintbrush (laughs) and it's not really like, my piece, or exactly the same as I would want it to be. I'm sure it could be, but.
1: No, I, th- I think there's an intangible that you can measure. Um, you know, it's that, that, that's there. And you either, you know, when you're, if you're losing passion for what you do and you feel like, oh, I, I, like I have more orders than I can fill, you know. There's no shame in just uh, telling people I'm raising my prices. <laughs> you know this is that right. will uh, this is a great way to weed out uh, some orders, but also um, you know just to be like, look, the it takes as long as it takes. You wouldn't rush mm-hmm. any other type of artist. Um, so if it if I if I say it's going to be a six month thing, um, then it's six months, and you know most people who who understand they're dealing with an artist that was going to be one of my questions to you is, you know, I, I don't I identify myself as a, anything other than a tradesperson because I really don't feel like I have an artistic bone in my body. but then you know some people are like, oh no no, I prefer you know craftsperson or but artists perfectly, is suited suited to, to what you do. I think it is artistry because it, you know, there's so many facets from design, but your design has to work with your upcycled or recycled material. So it, there's an, there's so many elements to it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to think about when, you know, when I'm building a new design, it's, it feels kind of limiting sometimes. Because it has to work with these weird shaped pieces of leather that are all gonna kind of behave differently. Um, it's, it's always inconsistent what I'm working with, and I have to make a product that is consistent. So yeah. it's tricky in that aspect.
1: One is and especially as you're dismantling a saddle, I'm sure you've noticed when I have to replace knee pads on a saddle, on an English saddle, the knee pads wear out, you know, you replace them. The flaps, though, have uh, broken in. They're two different sizes now. They were perfectly symmetrical when it was built, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: everyone with their dominant leg or their leg that's flopping around in the wind (laughs) all the time while they're riding (laughs) has worn and stretched one flap completely different than... The other leg. Um, so when you're, say, laying two flaps out to, to cut the body of a bag out or whatever it is you're going to do with it, you must see that, hey, even one's thinner than the other one now. Right. So you exactly. really, yeah. Like it's, it's, there's yeah. no, there's no more symmetry or not truly. Um, so you really do have to work with something that's been, um, really broken into that particular rider
0: right yeah and i'll i'll judge it on how the piece looks if there's maybe a weird looking area on the leather that i'd rather hide i'll take that to my advantage and put a put a pocket over it or something and and if it's if the leather is behaving in a way that i want it to act as my flap you know that's what i'm gonna use For my flat piece and and so on so kind of what we were talking about before with when people want certain pieces in certain places I have to kind of be like well I'll try but it doesn't always work that way you know every every piece of leather has its role that it has to play in the bag so if it works out great if I it's not and I have to go a different route I'm that's what I have to do because at the end of the day, it has to function nicely.
1: Yeah, I mean, these are going to be bags that are meant to be um, used and functional. Mhm. Awesome. Well, this is awesome. So where where, I mean, obviously, it would have started with you know people who know you, maybe local to your community, but thanks to social media how what's the furthest away that someone's you know engaged you to do something like um, you're dealing with across the country in canada yeah
0: well like just inquiring as well or yeah I actual, everything yeah everything had, from
1: inquiries to to commissions yeah i've
0: had inquiries from australia and you know england france i've actually i've shipped to england a couple times before definitely in canada a few times but mostly mostly stays in the us yeah but yeah felt pretty pretty surreal when i shipped something to europe for the first time i'm like wow it's crossing the ocean pretty cool
1: yeah i think so yeah i mean it's Uh, it is, it is cool. And I know, I know that feeling that it's, it's, it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm a big deal over there. It's, you know, maybe one or two sales, but it's, uh, you know, every time someone says, yeah, I want something that you've created, it's, it's just that little bit more energy to go, okay, I, you know, not only am I enjoying this, but, you know, it's providing me with a, with an income and people are enjoying it and it's going to be enjoyed for a long time i mean the bags you're making i can't see someone wearing one out yeah like, that's the as, goal. as in <laughs> like, you know yeah
0: I, I hope i hope for the pieces to be passed on for generations really and that's kind of what i i see for it because say someone's mother has this bag that she had made from me. I hope that she passes it on to her kids one day and, you know, and that they appreciate that it was made from their mom's saddle and how much meaning is behind it.
1: Well, and I'm sure there's some saddles out there that are being, that you've turned into a bag that at some point that person's child probably wasn't allowed to touch that saddle because it was like that's my horse's saddle you have your own don't use mine and then to be able to get it created into a bag and say now you can use it (laughs) you know I think I I can visualize that I can see that happening that would be very cool so how much time um because obviously the more marketing you do the it eats into your productivity and creative time so do you have like look i'm gonna do do you do you i mean post covid i mean are you getting out and doing retail shows trade shows horse shows or you're strictly doing uh online
0: mainly online last year i did maybe three or four local like artisan markets. And yeah, for the most part, just sticking to online, uh, I've been lucky to stay really busy just through that. And it's honestly easier to not go to shows (laughs) if I don't have to, even though I, I do like getting out there and it's nice to, people shop them in person and you know some people like to touch and feel a bag before they buy it totally understandably so I like that whole aspect of it and you run into customers who never would have found you otherwise so yeah we at the beginning it was super helpful but I don't do it as much anymore I'll probably only do like one or two this summer but mainly pushing on social media.
1: Yeah, it's nice for people that aren't always on social media to be able to meet the maker and and get out there. Right.
0: Uh,
1: So if for anybody listening out there or anybody who knows somebody, when their saddle gets, say, diagnosed with a broken tree and they're choosing... Not to get it repaired because sometimes the cost of getting something repaired is, or you know, they just feel like I'm not going through the hassle of getting that repaired. It's, you know, the universe telling me to buy a new saddle. Uh, do you can people reach out to you and just say, Hey, I'd like to donate my saddle to you?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah that I, I, happens
0: sometimes. Yeah, to and me, it's happy uh, to take them in, I'll never turn them away
1: (laughs) great yeah now i am in particular for me because i find that people uh there's two types um if something's unsafe to be used on a horse um that they they somehow want to have it they they part of it is they can't justify throwing it out it's like you know they they have thrown them out in the past um for some people, it's just like, look, I can't, you know, it's almost, you, to look at it. You couldn't tell that it's not a serviceable saddle. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it'd be nice that if they could just say, hey, look, and to make sure that it never ends up on a horse accidentally. You know, like what happens sometimes is that we see these saddles end up on eBay mm-hmm. or uh, something like right. that. And um, it'd be nice if they could reach out to you and just say, hey, if, you, if, if you're taking donations, gladly send this to you it would be great to see it end up in, in a project for somebody even if they're not commissioning you to make a bag at least their mm-hmm. saddle is not going to a landfill and it won't yeah. end up um, in some riding school or you know right. something like that so I, I hope that people listening will, will consider doing that with their saddle
0: yeah it's a win 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 I think yeah um, yeah, some of the saddles I take apart should never go on a horse's back. So I definitely don't feel bad about <laughs> some of them. It's like Oh yeah. You gotta there was not loads. put this in the trash and not use it. So Yeah.
1: yeah. So Absolutely. We Fantastic. Well, I am going to end it there i want to thank you for for sharing your your passion and um and your time with us i think it's um just wonderful what you're doing
0: thank you i appreciate having the conversation nice to to talk about what i love to do
1: awesome well thank you very much cassandra
0: thank you Hi, this is Cassandra Severino from Cali, and I am a leather crafter and make handbags out of recycled saddles and repurposed tack. And I'm based out of Camden, New Hampshire. It was great talking with Christian on the Saddlers Post. This has been the Saddler's Post with Christian Lowe. Thank you for listening. The Saddler's Post is sponsored by Christian Lowe Leather Care. Visit ChristianLowe.ca.